Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Real World Productivity Podcast. I'm Adam Moody, and today I'm talking with Sydney Wong, entrepreneur and co-founder of VentureX and author of How to Have a Good Day, available now on Amazon.com, about her background and experiences. So we want to get a deeper look into her approaches to problems with her very unique and awesome background, as well as the solutions that we can hopefully all put to use based on that. So welcome, Sydney. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here. Awesome. Well, we're just going to jump right in. I love doing this uh, and just hitting people with this first. Uh, we talked about this a minute ago, but yeah, if you could just share so we're all on the same page, a little bit about yourself. You know, you can go back to your childhood if you really want to go deep or uh, just start when you went <laughs> to where you feel it might uh, be helpful to everybody. Uh, yeah, sure. So a few years ago, I got into um, entrepreneurship. I've been, I have been working from home for a few years uh, before that as well in tech. But uh, going into entrepreneurship was really from my trip going to San Francisco. So I had a friend who said if I was very interested, then I should go to San Francisco to learn more about tech and startups. So I did, and I flew there on a one-way ticket, and then I moved in with him. I felt like that was an invite, so I took it as an invite. And, um, and then I came back here to, to start my first company, which is uh, helping entrepreneurs get connected to investors, then became an investor myself. So I run my own angel fund mm. here in Canada. And then during quarantine, you know, I've been seeing that a lot of my colleagues, whether they're entrepreneurs or investors or even just uh, people who have, you know, their regular nine to five jobs that were moving into quarantine were really going through a lot of struggle. So I then wrote this book underneath, uh, underneath a pen name called David Adams um, on how to have a good day. So it's everything from productivity to, you know, mental health and, uh, and awareness and everything in between. So I'm so excited to be sharing that with you today. Gotcha. Okay. And I think you mentioned it, but you said you came to San Francisco. Where were you coming from? Canada. So I gotcha. live in Montreal, Canada, which is where okay. I am today. Oh, okay. So full circle. All right. Yeah. <laughs> and then I've got to know too, uh, pen name. What What's going on there? So I yeah, so um, I, I was doing some research that, you know, a lot of people do use pen names. And the funny story about this particular pen name was that after discussing it with my team, we just came up with, you know, David Adams is a very general name. Yeah. Um, it turns out that after <laughs> Amazon, there is another real David Adams. And so we had to then disconnect our accounts from his actual history, because he really is an author. So we had to like go through Amazon tech support and disconnect our account from his because our names were the same. And uh, yeah, so I was like, oh my gosh, we're gonna get flagged, we're gonna get taken down. And so we had to go back and forth a lot um, with, uh, with my team and with uh, Amazon. So thank goodness that was fixed because if you get flagged, you're just never gonna be on again. Yeah, well, there you go. So uh, this podcast episode is gonna be some good e uh, book tips here. So yeah, make sure your pen name is not uh, tied up with someone else. That's yeah, awesome. don't J.K. Rowling, you know, or, or <laughs> just stay away. So you, you've got quite a bit of experience. Um, so I probably know the answer to this, but I'm asking you anyways. Have you had some sort of formal training or education and productivity or time management, or was it all just on-the-job training for you? Yeah, so I always find that experience learning is absolutely the best. So I come from, you know, MBA background, a business background. Um, I did my, my bachelor's here in Canada at McGill, and then I did my MBA in Paris. And then I came back to uh, Canada to, to, to work in, in corporate and everything. And at the time, you know, everything was really manageable. But when it comes to entrepreneurship and you are for the first time, it's kind of like going away to college, you know? You, you go away to college and you don't have anybody like, giving you these rules the same way. So entrepreneurship, very similar. You're going to this new world where you don't have anybody telling you, okay, well, you have all these different tasks to do. 
I mean, you do, but the best way to actually get through your day is to know um, what are the best kinds of uh, productivity tips that work best for you. So that's why in the book, we dive into a lot of different kinds of, you know, character traits and, and research. So then you can always find something that best matches you. And I have tried all of them personally. <laughs> so became a night owl, became an early bird, everything in between. Outstanding. All right. Well, then <clears throat> this follows on naturally. Then I'm really curious, what is your normal routine like? Because we hear about and I especially talk a lot about routines and the importance of them. But I'm curious, what like what do you specifically do now that you've tried all of this stuff? Yeah, so my one of my favorite authors is a uh, Tim Ferriss for our work week, right? Very mm -hmm. famous author, and um, you know, going through all of his uh, different interviews and everything, I've also adapted some of those into my routine. So that's what gave me inspiration. So in the morning, I wake up at six a.m., uh, which in Montreal, just so you know, is dark, <laughs> dark as night. Yes, I live here, and it's winter most of the year. So it's, it's dark for several hours. And then um, I would journal and read. So I would usually probably read uh, Tim Ferriss or uh, Malcolm Gladwell's, what I'm reading right now as part of my quarantine goals. Okay. Um, and uh, journal for however long. So I write, uh, what are the two biggest things that I need to do today? So then the rest of my day becomes obsolete or easier. So if I only had to pick two things, I can't pick like a team meeting or something that you, you're automatically going to do or go yeah. to. You can't do that you know, aim a little bit higher. And um, so two things you actually have to do and, and get accomplished. And then um, I also plan what I'm going to do um, in my breaks in between as well. Um, and then so that is basically what my morning routine is. If it's not too cold, which it is now, um, I would go actually outside to do this. And uh, then I was out so early that <laughs> that the stock that the stock uh, like uh, the people who like stock uh, dep uh, grocery stores and stuff. Oh yeah. Bucks come in at the same time and they're like right where my uh, table is. So they see me every morning and they also say hi and they ask me how I am. <laughs> it's very nice because I'm the only one there alone. <laughs> a winter toque and jacket because it's cold. And so, um, yeah, so that's my morning routine. And then in the evenings, um, what I do is that I take a bubble bath. So I got this from Ariana Huffington, the founder of Huffington Post. The idea of water washing, you know, your day away is so appealing to me. And, um, and then also recently to help me sleep better, I got one of my favorite things is a weighted blanket. Yes. So, <laughs> so it feels like, it feels like there's so much weight on you. Mine's about 15 pounds. And um, I also have a cup of night drink, which is apple cider vinegar, honey, and I pour hot water in it to make it kind of like a tea. And then I also read and journal again um, to kind of close out my day. So those are my morning and night routines because I'm a true believer in that success comes from your systems, you know? That's, that's really what, what, uh, what's making you successful is how strong your routines are and what they're made of. Definitely, 100%. I'm a big fan of consistency is key. Um, I'd rather have an okay routine that I can do every day instead of aiming for something crazy that, you know, I fail at half the time. So, <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Yeah. That's interesting. So I like what you uh, said at the beginning there with uh, starting, you know, you're saying, well, I kind of, you know, I took f from Tim Ferriss and I've, you know, taken these. And I, th I think that that's good. And I, I want to circle back to that because I know a lot of times we get hung up on like, I need to be original. I need to do this. I need to do that. And there is a bit of that, right? Because you do need to customize to yourself, but there's no need to reinvent the wheel. You can say, man, there's so many good uh, pieces of information out there. I just need to do scan them, try them, and then take the best, leave the rest, right? Yeah, absolutely. So 
try it enough times to see what the difference is and then just write a reflection I, I really like seeing things on paper write a reflection on how that changed you in a positive or negative way and then adapt from there and it will become original along the way yes Definitely. And I like what Sydney said there about writing it down. Um, I'm moving more and more digital. Uh, this shouldn't be a surprise to anyone who's alive <laughs> and listening to this in 2020 or 2021. But uh, just the act of having to uh, focus and concentrate enough to write something down, you know, I don't have the studies in front of me, but I looked them up uh, once upon a time, you know, there is actually something there um, beyond just liking it, you actually, uh, it actually adds more benefit. So I think that that's a good one too, whether or not it's on a whiteboard and you wipe it off or just putting it in your journal, but I totally agree. And I, I know a lot of us tend to get wrapped up in the digital side, but there's something to be said for that physical act. Yeah, absolutely. I am sometimes desperate looking for paper too. There was this one time where I was in a co-working space or a library. I don't remember which it was. And I just needed to write down my ideas before I forget them. And so I even took like recycled printer paper. Mm. It was the only thing I could find. And I'm like, okay, I'm going to keep this. Except it was like this big, <laughs> the biggest thing. So I had to fold it up too. Um, and it really does help no matter where you are. Gotcha. Well, I like the bubble bath idea too. I've got to say something. So the last episode I believe I published was uh, Zeb Evans, the CEO of ClickUp. And I talked to him and he said, yeah, like one of, I think it's his morning routine. I'll have to go back and check, but that's interesting. So now this is two people recently that are, are talking about baths. So I've really got to pay some attention to this, I think. Yeah. It's right. really good. It's really good. And, and it really helps slow down um, your day and your breathing and everything too. I like it. I think just the physical act too of like, what are you doing in the bath? Like, well, you're probably sitting there. Maybe you can journal or read, but like, it's not some frantic thing. I don't think I've ever heard anyone say like, man, I'm in a hurry. I'm going to go take a bath. Like that doesn't happen. <laughs> That's very true. That's very true. That's cool. Okay. So moving on from that, now you talked a little bit about your history. Um, you've got a lot of experience worldwide uh, in different industries, uh, which I'll touch on again. You've got a, some uh, amazing history in automation, CRM type stuff. Uh, but a lot of this is taking some risks, right? People don't just go to Paris uh, to, <laughs> to study. Like that doesn't just happen, right? You don't just fly to San Francisco and, you know, start meeting people. So I know you believe that others should be less risk, of, risk averse or more, uh, I guess, putting themselves in positions where they can take some calculated risks. So I guess I'm just going to open the floor for you if you want to talk about that because eventually I want to move it into how do you think people can apply this in their own lives in like actionable ways but how do you feel about risk in general? So um, yeah so taking calculated risk is very personalized to each individual right mm -hmm. so I mean also it, it helps you build your confidence as a person or especially as an adult the more risks you take the more you get a little bit out of your comfort zone which also a little bit is just relative to who you are, mm -hmm. um, the more confidence you will have in taking bigger and bigger risks over time. So, um, you know, some of these things are just based on blind trust is uncalculated. And some of these things really are based on calculations such as investments, ROI, what is your potential as an investor, uh, how big the market is. So all of those things had, you know, math behind it. And then uh, other things just have like intuition. So for a long time, when I was I think I started when I was like 23 or something. Mm -hmm. I, I was part of couch surfing. And that is a huge risk because you're like <laughs> yeah. space into strangers' hands, right? Like all the time. And so um, what it turned out was that what it gave me was 
a, a remarkable life experience that I would never get anywhere else in the world. I would never be able to trade it for anything. I'd never be able to buy it, no matter how successful you are when you're older, um, no matter what you have, you'll never be able to get that kind of a thing back. And it also helps you build your appetite for risk as a person when you did it, you know, as an adolescent or as a young person or as a student, whatever it is. And so um, being able to have these, these global experiences you wouldn't have otherwise, um, a part of it really is just saying yes uh, when you have a great gut feeling about it. So saying yes to these different couchsurfing opportunities or um, when your friend gives you like, a, let's say a last minute ticket to go somewhere, you're like, yes, I'm gonna go do that. Or, you know, let's say you have a friend who invited you to go to San Francisco and just stay there forever until, uh, until your visa tells you to come back. <laughs> a great risk, but something that is um, something I would never trade for, for anything else, right? Yeah, yeah, that's interesting too. You said trusting your gut or saying yes when your gut tells you it's right, uh, because you're right, you can't weigh everything quantitatively all the time. And it's enough sometimes to say, okay, if you do have numbers, use them by all means. And I think a lot of us, both me and you and anyone probably listening to this, that's kind of ingrained. But yeah, sometimes it's not there. and some t Or sometimes you have to add in the, how do I feel about this? And I think developing that and acting on it is a very wise advice. So really yeah, like and that. And if you like writing things down, just write down what's the best case scenario that could happen versus the worst case scenario that could happen. A lot of the times, the worst case scenario is just like, okay, I would just my day will just be like today. Yeah. <laughs> and, you're, and then you can weigh that. Yeah, or I had started something I called my fears book was like, when I have these thoughts where it's like I start to go negative and it's like, well, just write it down. And then every quarter I go back and I look at that and like how ridiculous the brain, because the brain <laughs> is meant to protect us, part of it, and that's good. It's it's imagining these horrible scenarios, but you know, it's like, well, the meteor didn't crash into earth, we're okay. You know, my clients didn't all leave me in one day, you know, all these things we think about. And then you just start to see like, oh, wow, this is pretty ridiculous. Like the downsides are generally pretty low. The the upsides are much higher than we think. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. You're absolutely right. Our brain is always there to try and protect us, but it protects us from like a whole evolutionary standpoint, right? From when we were like, you know, the first humans and, and some of those things may not be relevant anymore. Definitely. Uh, yeah, hundred percent agree. So what do you think people could do to, to maybe push themselves out of uh, their comfort zone on kind of a regular basis? And I realize this, like you said, this is very relative. Yeah, absolutely. So um, I like to, so there's a, a few challenges that I absolutely love. If you've ever seen this TED Talk, uh, if you haven't, I really recommend it. If you've mm -hmm. seen it, watch it again, because it's great. It's called 100 Days of Rejection. So it's one of my favorite TED Talks. It's so funny. It's from a, a man named Gia. So he, um, he went through a whole bunch of exercises to actually help him be more confident and help him be more fearless just in everyday scenarios. So all of these challenges are absolutely absurd. You would never do them knowing, like if you just grew up, you know, here understanding the, you would never do them. So some of them uh, would be asking instead of for a, a Coke or a Sprite refill at McDonald's, you went there to ask for a burger refill. <laughs> get another free burger yeah. and it was so funny and then uh the other one is to be a starbucks greeter so walmart has a greeter oh my gosh how strange would it be for if you volunteered and asked them if it's okay to uh greet all their customers for no reason as though you were a walmart greeter but this would be at starbucks and uh and then the other ones would be like if you can have uh like what was it like go to a, a real establishment, like a, like a Starbucks, for example, mm -hmm. and um, ask for a discount off your coffee for no reason. 
So these were all these, uh, oh, one of them was, uh, can I walk your dog? But you can't tell them why. Just like, can I just take your dog from the park and walk with it? Just around. Yeah. And, yeah, so all of these were, were these challenges. He also has a website full of other challenges. So I actually did this exercise um, with a couch surfing friend of mine um, a few years ago, and we filmed each other doing it too. It was really funny. And, <laughs> and the, the look on the McDonald's uh, employee's face, for example, when trying to like figure out what is a burger refill, it's hilarious. So these are great exercises. I highly recommend you try a few because if you did all a hundred of them you never know how far you can get and so i think the most ridiculous one was when he was talking about uh asking krispy kreme to make him donuts in the shape of olympic rings that was oh, wow. my favorite thing ever I, I don't even know how you would do that right yeah so. oh my gosh all right yeah the inner introvert in me the inner maybe the outer introvert <laughs> is like running away scared but at the same yeah. time like i get this like I'm um, just trying to think, first of all, everyone should go check this out. I'm definitely going to go watch 100 Days of Rejection. Uh, I have not seen it, but I uh, recently got a kayak. And so I was looking around on Craigslist because I'm like, oh, I want to do some sea kayaking, but I'm not ready to like, you know, just full in invest. I was like, I'm going to dip my toes in the water. So I'll just get a used kayak. And I went down and I'm like, okay, I'm not going to give them, I'm not going to be the guy who shows up with not enough money. I'm not that person, but like, I'm going to ask for, you know, if they can make an, uh, you know, some sort of a concession. And I totally failed, but it was in my mind. I didn't do it. He was just this really nice old man, gave me a great deal and ended up throwing stuff in for free that I didn't ask for. So I was like, you know what, I'll just take this and, and go. But yeah, I was like that stuff. A lot of times you don't know what you can do until you ask. And it doesn't have to be ridiculous. We just get so used to getting what's put in front of us. Yes, absolutely. My, one of my favorite uh, business professors at McGill um, always said, the worst that somebody can say to you is no, right? Yeah. And so what's on the other side of fear is probably just a no, and you're going to be fine. You're going to live on with the rest of your day, and it will be okay. Yeah, I've seen the same thing too time and again on whether it's salary negotiations or bringing clients on in business um, and just like even what feels crazy until you've done it, like you should add 50%, you know, to your rate as a freelancer. And like people are like, what? That's crazy. It's like, no, it's not. Like one, you're going to get paid more and two, people will pay it. I mean, assuming of course you've got the experience, you can back it up. <laughs> but it was like that stuff happens. And recently I've had some friends doing salary negotiations for new positions and just talking through that. And it's like, yeah, it's like so long as again you feel like you have to believe you're worth it don't just go out there and be asking for stuff you shouldn't have but you know once you get past that hurdle you you know and feel like you're worth it it's just a matter of asking and, and justifying I was like you you know other people aren't going to do this for you yeah and and other people aren't going to conquer your own fears for you either yep very true very true all right well we talked about this in the beginning a little bit so your book how to have a good day uh, can, can you tell us a little bit more about this? Obviously, people should go read the book if they want to find out all of it. But, you know, I get it from the title. But can you tell us a little bit more? Yeah. So um, the book, like I said, it, it's a, it was written during the first quarantine. And it was for, you know, people who were going through a lot of things during that um, during that time period as well, whether they be entrepreneurs or nine to fivers or students that were just then shifting to a regular um let's stay at home forever kind of vibe, right? So what we call the new normal. And um, there's a variety of different kinds of techniques um, and, and how to structure your day in a very productive way, but a very satisfying way too, to really help hone in on that mental health. It's a very easy read, it's only about 50 pages and it's available on Amazon uh, US and Canada. 
Very cool. I was just flipping through it. Uh, I've got to go and I will be checking this out. But I guess the, the thing I can say right now is it's got very good reviews. So everyone should uh, go and <laughs> check that out. All right. Well, cool. I will definitely take a look through that and uh, we'll be back in touch. But uh, through your experience, you've had to have had some experience with managing teams. And I think that this is something that comes up a lot. I know for myself, uh, both starting out, I used to be an engineer, um, then working with small teams and growing teams. Um, you know, what could you share in your experience about that, you know, especially kind of the small business or entrepreneur kind of solopreneur moving into a team type of role? What has your experience has been there? Yeah, so I liked, uh, like everything else in my life, like to keep things to be productive and efficient. And so like right off the bat, uh, we have a team meeting every single day um, with our different departments. So the, the status meeting for uh, marketing and sales on the business side, for example, is at 9 a.m. Um, our time. We have a scattered team, which means that we actually have uh, people in all different kinds of time zones. And we always had that. Our first, um, the first developer that we had on our team was from Albania. And we had to like schedule a time to make sure that, you know, um, the team has everything that they need. They know what everyone else is doing. They're able to be there to answer questions for each other. And they know uh, if you're in, in engineering, then you will have a demo day as well every two weeks. So you know what you're preparing for. Um, being able to work together remotely and everywhere is super challenging for people who don't have as much experience managing teams. So I always recommend having a very structured schedule, um, having things uh, listed and agendaed in a very uh, organized way, and making sure that you know you are available enough to answer questions, provide extra training, and those kinds of things. Because when you are remote and you are managing a remote team, you can't you lose a lot of that nonverbal communication, right? So you can't really see if somebody is struggling. You have to really make sure that they are asking you or you have to, again, go back on your intuition and being like, hey, this person is new. They probably don't know how to create this thing. So let's set up a specific training session for this in their time zone and uh, make sure that you know they have all the tools that they need and they're not just like lost and then demotivated, right? Because yeah. when it comes to being lost and demotivated, way easier to do that in your home office than it is in a regular office. Definitely. Yeah, I think that that's a really good point. And, and I, something I've recently uh, dealt with is growing a team and just realizing like, oh, yeah, like, I wanted to stay, stay away from too many meetings, but then realized that was, again, being led by me and I steered us into too few meetings and yeah. realizing like, okay, we don't need a daily stand up, but we needed a weekly, you know, all hands check in and then realizing like, oh, okay, this is really paying off. So I totally agree. And I love the part about having a structured agenda. And for the people out there who get scared by some structure, like, don't worry, you can still have some flexibility. But yeah, just saying, hey, these are the three things we have to cover every time. And then the rest of the time, you know, could be flex or whatever. So yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. So and then they they are our teams are, are done very similar to like a Silicon Valley style where they can choose their own vacation days, they can choose their own sick days, and as many or as few as they need, especially during these times, we actually yeah. don't know if somebody is going to have a health issue or somebody in their family. So it's also something that um, I feel like to give people that flexibility also gives them that sense of responsibility. You know, mm -hmm. it's up to you to manage your own schedule. You are an adult and I totally trust you. Gotcha. I like it. Uh, so Sydney, you've done a lot of work in automation and marketing. So kind of before this stuff we're talking about. Yeah. So I'm curious, you know, do you have anything from that period of your life where like you've really applied it now or you see like, because I'll let you talk through it, but you know, you worked at a scale probably a lot of people don't see. So when I think automation, I'm thinking like, 
I used Zapier to like connect an email system, but like, you know, that's it. Is there stuff that you think would apply or maybe small business owners or entrepreneurs can really benefit from? Yeah. So, um, so I, I did everything from uh, Marketo and Salesforce and, and, uh, and all of those kinds of systems mm -hmm. that are meant to provide support for uh, marketing and sales. Right. And so I think that for, for a long time, um, those kinds of companies were always geared towards, you know, big corporations and everything. But when it comes to small businesses, entrepreneurs, uh, what's important to keep in mind, and this is going against the things we were not supposed to say at the time, was uh, if you are not big enough, do not use these, these softwares. Yeah. They're not going to help you be more productive. So I think um, it was Bill Gates who said it best. Uh, he said that if you are inefficient, adding technology and software and tools will expand your inefficiency. If you are efficient, then adding tools and software and technology will expand your efficiency, right? So it will only give you just a, the, a bigger headache if you don't have like, let's say 6,000 leads in order to really be using these in a, in a good way. And mm -hmm. it could be that, you know, business developers or salespeople are telling you, you must have this, you know, you are a dentist and, uh, and it's not true. Yeah. So, I would say um, when it comes to the small businesses, make sure that you actually really need these things and understand why you need these things before you're paying like $1,200 a month for any of them. Gotcha. I really like that. I like the uh, understand why. And I, yeah, I think that that's a good one to put into practice along with, yeah, having that result. What's your end game that you're looking for yeah. and making sure that the tool supports that. So yeah. Okay, um, so going back now, kind of bump, bumping around, but talking about VentureX, um, this is interesting. So with that, you're helping uh, connect a disconnect, if I understand it correctly, right? So startups that had issues getting in front of investors, and then investors that are kind of having their own troubles finding the right startups. Yeah. So that, to me, is interesting. But then it got me thinking, like, recognizing this, um, you know, how could people kind of apply this idea to themselves? Do you think, like, can you do self-analysis and be like, how can I apply this and recognize like where the gaps are with like my systems and things like that? Yeah, so absolutely. So, um, you know, I'll, I'll answer this in a, in an individual and a entrepreneurship kind of level. Mm -hmm. So for uh, an individual, um, we actually have, uh, something called a 360 review. So this is one of the concepts that, you know, we learned in our MBA and I do put it into practice with my team, which is you review yourself, you write, just try and write it down. Try and write down a real realistic review on yourself. So your strengths, your weaknesses, um, what you wish to, to do, you know, the, the person that you want to be or the goals you want to achieve. And get somebody you trust to then review you, right? So in, in the case of my team, obviously it would be my, the manager, it would be me um, reviewing that, that person as well. So, and then your colleague or a trusted friend, right? So if you have um, all of these people around you, people who support you, people who know you very well, reviewing the things that, uh, that you're doing, reviewing your goals and providing you good feedback, it increases your emotional intelligence. It increases your EQ because your overall awareness is then expanded, right? Um, one of the, uh, I'll, I'll share something more personal about me. So uh, one of the things that I thought I was a genius at until like a month ago, um, was that I, I, my, my neighbor who's known me for 15 years because we went to school together and also um, one of my closest friends who uh, who's, uh, I do work out with. So they both agreed on this thing that I had a huge blind spot about. So I said, I had these new friends and it was really bothering me. I wasn't sure if I should like 
be around them as much anymore just because they're always late and I am so busy. So I can't really afford people to be late. And, um, and then I was like, how is it that, that you are, you know, all so on time for things. And then, you know, what, you know what my neighbor said, he goes, I'm only on time for you. And I'm like, what, what are you talking about? <laughs> and he goes, you do know that people adjust to you. Right. And I'm like, I had no idea. I thought I was a genius in choosing specific organized people to be in my circle and in my life. He's like, no, no, nobody's like that. And, <laughs> and so this was like blowing up my, my self-awareness. And I, cause I've never done this review personally, which I probably should have. Um, I never knew that I was that rigid. Uh, so then people adapted to me to be in my circle as, as opposed to the other way around thinking I was like, yeah, we are clicking like, no, no, no. They're just clicking with me. And uh, so <laughs> that's really interesting. I, I did something similar. I don't know if you're familiar with it. It's a unique ability. Uh, it was like a workbook, basically just kind of finding out like, Hey, what are your strengths? And like what they re yeah. and like working your way through it instead of just going directly to it. Cause we all think we know. And yeah, that was really eye opening for me. And after that I was like, Oh, well, it's no surprise. I didn't like being an engineer in a company. Like that <laughs> is totally not what I should have been doing. And like, not that it was terrible, but it's like, oh, in hindsight, like finding out where we really shine and how we actually operate. Yeah, that's really powerful stuff. Absolutely. And when it comes to, to business, you can just look more into the numbers, right? Yeah. So what MentorX does as, as the tool, it, it calculates your conversion, your engagement levels, you know, usage and retention, how customers are coming back, and of course, your finances. So calculating all of those things actually gives you a good uh, 360 review. So you can have it with a software, you can have it with a mentor, uh, you can have it with just applying for um, certain, let's say, awards or programs or, or accelerators of similar companies that have been, let's say the same number of years as you, a similar industry, those kinds of things. So you're really being able to compare to your, to your peers. And uh, then you're gonna see if you're slowly growing or you're slowly dying, because you're really doing one or the other every day. Fair enough, yeah, you're not standing still. All right, well, we got time for just a couple more questions here. Uh, and so I always love this. It's not that it's so important, but I think everyone likes this. It's just like, what are your actual tools? Like, what is it that you're using? You know, or do you have a, what do you use a specific journal or is it just a piece of paper? Do you use a certain to-do app? Like, what do you, what do you use? Um, yeah, so for my journaling, I uh, went back home last Christmas and I robbed my mom of all of the exercise books that she bought for us when we were like in middle school. Every single one from her cabinet was in my luggage. So I would use any kind of uh, journal. I don't really have a specific one. It could be a Hillroy exercise book. It could be a really nice moleskin. It doesn't really matter to me as much. Um, the important thing is that I have different sizes and different ones in each of my purses. So right. then I would always have one and I don't have to find printer paper all the time. Like so it. you might not- It's also setting the environment, right? No matter where you're at, you know you've got one. It may not be the same one, but it's there. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. And then in my, uh, in my home, in my personal life, I have a Google Home. So I do talk to it like it's a person and it schedules things for me, schedule events for me. It tells me um, all the information that I need to know most of the time. And, um, and then I like to use a uh, Calendly and, and these kinds of links where you send them to people and then it can help um, automatically schedule things for you. So I think that that's really, really helpful um, to do, especially when you have a lot of meetings and then they have the option to reschedule right away if they really need to. That's also really helpful for them too. 
Yep, that is a great one. I mean, well, that's how we got this uh, podcast interview going. So love it. All right. Well, last question. So you can't recommend your own book. You can, but we'll definitely look down on you for it. But (laughs) what book or just piece of media do you find yourself recommending the most people right now? Uh, Well, like I said, Tim Ferriss is is absolutely one of my favorite, favorite authors. So I really recommend his book for our work week. And another uh, really great one is uh, Peter Drucker. And uh, that is called The Effective Executive. So if you haven't read that one, I highly recommend it. I think that your audience would love it. Um, You know, one of the things that that he does best is writing an insane amount of books about working well, about improving um, corporate structure and everything. So I think that his work is also just marvelous. Definitely. I will check that out. I have heard of it, but it was not on the to read list. So I'm going to bump it up a notch here. So... Awesome. Well, thank you, Sydney, so much for coming in and sharing all of this. I know we went uh, all over the place and covered a lot of uh, ground. So, uh, you know, where can people go to find out more about you and what you're up to? Yeah, so um, you can find out more about me on uh, LinkedIn. So you can definitely reach out and connect to me. So please, if you do, send me a note that you, you know, heard from this podcast. That would be awesome. And, um, and yeah, and then also you can find us in all of our social media so on youtube on uh, instagram twitter facebook so we have youtube and and facebook's and twitter for venture x as well as for um the book which is how how to have a good day so we have it for both outstanding well thank you again so much thank you thanks for listening to this episode of the real world productivity podcast if you know someone that would enjoy this episode please grab the link and send it via email message or whatever means works best Now, if you're looking for more ways to increase your productivity, time management, and team building skills, be sure to go to productivity.academy slash resources to find out what tools, cheat sheets, and services can get you started and make the most impact right now. For those who want to make fast changes and want to save dozens of hours, I highly recommend joining the 14-Day Productivity Foundation Challenge at productivity.academy slash foundation challenge. This 14-day challenge takes minutes per day but will help you develop or improve your daily review to get more done with less distractions and loss of focus. You'll also get over-the-shoulder directions for setting up an automation to save dozens of hours and the process for deciding what else you should automate and how to do it. And if you're serious about continuous improvement and you know that productivity, time management, and team building will impact every area of your personal and professional life, join us in the Growth Automation Membership. Find out more at productivity.academy/join.